Isaiah chapter 3. But before we go to 3, we need to have a recap of what chapter 2. The last time we met, we discussed chapter 2. So is there anyone who wants to contribute tonight? Two, two minutes. Dickiness? Dickiness? Who else? Jo uh, okay, Pastor. All right. Can someone have a mic who will be going around to me, please? All right. Dickiness, two minutes, please. Dickiness, uh, make your guitar be the timekeeper, please. Two minutes. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hosea chapter 2 talks about God punishing Israel and restoring them back to himself again. I'll just touch on some key verses that really ministered to me. If you look at verse 3, sorry, verse 2, let's start from verse 2. Rebuke your mother, rebuke her, for she's not my wife, and I'm not her husband. Let her remove the adulterous look from her face and the unfaithfulness from between her breasts. Otherwise, I'll strip her naked and make her as bare as, as on the day she was born. I will make her like a desert, turn her into a parched land. I just want to stop there. Here, God was sort of rebuking the Israelite because they were being adulterous. Now, I just want us to quickly refer that to ourselves. I just want to speak more to uh, my fellow um, sisters here. Most of the time, when we dress, the, 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 the word of God says, God sees the intent of the heart. So, God will really question and examine ourselves. All the painting we do. Do we really need that? Are we really doing that to please Jesus? Are we dressing to please Jesus? I thank God that mommy and daddy have set a very good standard for us in terms of dressing. I've seen some believers exposing all sorts, and that should not be in the body of Christ. Praise the name of Jesus. Our intention, I dress mainly to please Jesus and also to please my husband, nothing else. So if I'm dressing, I'm not trying to please anybody. But the first thing is, am I, would, this be, would this glorify the name of Jesus? So we're going to have that at the back of our mind. And also, when we continue with our adulterous way, then what happens? That can really begin to make the blessing that God has put in our lives to diminish. And we don't want that to happen. Now, I just want to quickly encourage the backsliding ones amongst us. The word of God, if you look at verse 7, it says here, she will chase after her lovers, but not cast them. She will look for them, but not find them. Then she will say, I will go back to my husband as her first. For then I will be better off than now. God is forever married to the backslider in heart. So if you are backsliding, the Lord is waiting for you to come back home. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Uh, what I find out at in Isaiah chapter 2 <coughs> is that I divided, I tried Isaiah chapter 2, not me. Isaiah chapter 2 is divided into several uh, uh, chapters, several ways. For example, Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 to 8 says, God says, You will not have mercy because the Israelites used their gates to, uh, for idol worshiping and they sank deeper into sin. So God said in Isaiah 2, 1 to 8 that He will not have mercy upon them. So the lesson now is that we should not use our gifts, both the spiritual gifts we've got and the physical gifts in the world that God Almighty has bestowed us with. We should not use them for sins, but we should use them for the work of God so that we do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God 
and so that we do not sin against God. Then Uzziah chapter 2, verses 9 to 13, God said he will punish the Israelites. Example, he took his blessings away from them because, it, because their hearts were not with God. So they, they lost their, they lost, their hearts were not with God, but they lost their minds. And again, Uzziah chapter, Uzziah chapter 2, 14 to 20, God promises hope to the Israelites. So we can see that. Again, God says, God said, instead of them being a Lord, instead of them being drawn to Satan, God drew them to himself. He drew them closer to, the, to himself. He sanctified them and set them apart to a separated and secluded place. So we should let God draw us to himself, and we should cling to God. We should not cling to Satan. And again, another thing, God promised them that Jezreel, whose name meant God scatters, that he will have his name changed, which is Nosea chapter 2, verses 23. Verse 23, God says he will sow. So God is a loving and merciful God. And he said he will plant the Israelites again in their land and bless them. Another thing again is Hosea chapter 2 verse 18. We have uh, the, um, the wife of Hosea said um, he would go back to he would, Hosea chapter 2 verse 7. He said he will go back to return to his first husband. Again, Hosea chapter 2 verse 18. May we have a restful sleep because God promised us that he neither sleeps nor slumber. He promised that to also in Psalm 121. Hallelujah. Praise God. There is uh, something about that verse 2. Um, I just wanted to point out from um, chapter 2, verse 2. It says, rebuke your mother. Rebuke her. Which quite interestingly, goes against um, the grain of Exodus 20, verse 12, where, uh, and Jesus even mentioned that, that that is the first, pro- that is the first uh, commandment with a promise. What that is telling us essentially is the fact that if we decide to be absent as parents, as um, workers in the house of the Lord, or whatever job God has given us, God is quite easily, God will quite easily just, bypass us and take that job and give to somebody else um, there we see the, the children actually meant to, meaning to uh, being asked to rebuke their mother which is quite challenging I mean a lot of us here are Africans and you can see the first time that your, your child says to you well that's not how it should go you know what kind of um, way you would take that but then that is quite interestingly I, I found that very challenging that a lot of us, a lot of the times, we, we get work given to us, but we don't actually take that work very seriously. And so um, we should take our work very seriously. Um, for us also, it just means that, firstly, don't be a, an absent mother, don't be an absent parent. Mommy Omar mentioned absent, um, wives taking their husbands for granted last week. Um, I also want to point out from the, point of view, from the side of the men, that men should not take their wives for granted, but that we should be. Whatever job we have been given in the home, in the house of God, or wherever we are, that we should take it very, very seriously, or else God will bypass us and find somebody else to do that role. Praise the name of the living Jesus. Okay. Praise the Lord. So we'll go straight to Uzziah chapter 3. It's a very short um, chapter. I'll read it all the way through, then I'll just read out what the Lord lay on my heart. So, Uzziah's reconciliation with his wife. That's the title of that chapter. 
And he said, the Lord said to me, go, show your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. Though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. So I brought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a leptic of barley. Then I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with another man. And I will behave the same way towards you. For the Israelites will live many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred stones, without effort or household gods. Afterwards, the Israelites will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They will come trembling to the Lord and to his blessing in the last days. So here is a story, as we all know, that Uzziah was a minor prophet. And he was given a dangerous or difficult task. He was to live his life as a parable to the children of Israel. And Uzziah, in this picture, when we read about Uzziah, is representing God in his nature. And Goma represents the Israelite, who was God's beloved but went back to the world. But here there's an instruction that was given to Uzziah. In verse 1, he said, The Lord said to me, Go, show your love to your wife again. This is to tell us that Goma must have left home. The Bible did not tell us how long. It could be maybe months. It could be years. Left her married man or her married husband and went home went after other men. And God was instructing Uzziah that, look, you need to go back. Go and show your love to your wife again. So there was a bit of a separation. But the instruction is that not just take, him, take her as a wife, but love her. And the Bible likened the love that Uzziah will show to his wife as the love that he, God, showed to the children of Israel. He said, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisins, raisin cakes. The sacred raisins cakes here uh, is a kind of food sacrificed to idols. And I wrote in my, in what I've written down here, I said that go again signifies the separation in which Uzziah had lived from Goma, from Goma for, the, for her unfaithfulness. And Uzziah was to love her adulterous wife just as God loved adulterous Israel. So she was to renew his covenant of love. It was, it was to show kindness to this wife who has taken him for granted. You know, remember mommy was telling us that as wives, especially those of us who get married to Christian men or vice versa, 
But the fact that you are married to a Christian man doesn't mean that you can treat your Christian man anyhow. Because you already know he's not going anywhere anyway. But at the end of the day, God is going to require an account from you. How you have treated the man that he has placed over you. Remember that the man that God has placed over you is your head. As Christ is the head of the man. But the woman has the man as their head. This woman, Goma, have treated the, the husband in an ungodly manner. Left the man. But God instructed Uzziah to go back. And we'll see what happened afterwards. In verse 2, he said, So I brought her for 15 shekels of silver. So this is to tell us that this woman must have left home for a very long time. So for her, for her to be brought back to her marital home, there's a, a price that needs to be paid. It's like paying dowry all over again. But in this instance, it's not a full price that was paid. Fifteen shekels of silver is like is more than half of the price paid for dowry. It is an half of a price paid for slaves. If you want to buy a slave, you pay 30 shekels of silver. But Goma was redeemed back to her marital home by half of that price. If we go to Exodus, I'll quickly put it on the board. Exodus 21 verse 32 will give us an understanding of what I'm talking about. Exodus 21 32. He said, if the bull gores a male or female slave, the owner must pay 30 shekels of silver to the master of the slave, and the bull must be stoned. Let's go on. Okay, let's stop there. So we can see from there that the price of a slave is 30 shekels. But in terms of Goma being returned back to her marital home, she has to be redeemed for just half of it. And not only that, she was redeemed by, by paying or give, buying a homer and a liquid of barley. That signifies the, pride, the, the food that she will be eating while she is in the slave house, in the master's house. What does the Bible talk about when we go back to sin? It says that if we go back to sin, then you are a slave to sin. In the book of, um, I think it's John chapter 8, verse 34. Let's see what that says. John 8, 34. He said, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Go on. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So anyone who sins, you are a slave to sin because sin has mastered you. But someone who has the seed of the word of God in them, who have the seed of the word, is the spirit of sonship living in that person. So for Goma, Goma, even though a wife, was brought back to her husband's home as a slave. And we'll see this instruction as we go on. Because she did not regain back her marital rights, the marital blessing, the marital benefits when she returned back home because she was a slave. 
So we can see how we degrade ourselves when we return back to our vomit. When we go back to what is detestable to God. God doesn't want, God, is, God doesn't see us as a slave. He sees us as sons. But we sell ourselves to slavery when we go back to sin. So Uzziah has to pay that price, that redemptive price, but not the price of a, of a wife, but of a slave. Second Peter 2.19, what does that say? They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. So the question is, what mas- what is your, who is your master? What has mastered you? What dominates our life? Who do we submit to? Who do we play- pay allegiance to? Who do we obey? Who, do we- who is our master? Who is our Lord? Who will send you on an errand and you can quickly obey? Is it God or your flesh? So if you are able to submit to your flesh, your flesh is not friendly with your spirit at all. It's immunity because your flesh will bring you down. So when you are friendly to your flesh, everything your flesh tells you is what you go by. Then you are a slave to that flesh. That flesh has become your God. That flesh has become your master. It has become your Lord. So we can see how degrading Goma became. He wants prophet's wife. He's still a, she's still a prophet's wife. But the time that God now sent Uziah to go back for her, she came back as a, not as, as a wife, but as a slavery mentality, as a slavery nature. Because she was worthless. And that's the benefit we can get from sin. The benefit we can get from sin is worthlessness. We that we are valued, we become worthless. Worthless. Let's go on. And he said, then I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man. And I will behave the same way towards you. When, when Goma came back home, the instruction is she will no longer go out anymore to have sexual intercourse with a man that does not belong to her. Neither will the man in the house have sexual intercourse with her for a, for a period of time. There will be that separation. There will be that silent period. Because at that silent period is when God wants to make sure that, yes, this person has truly repented and has been disciplined, has gone through the discipline. So there was a separation. I wrote here, I said, separation from intercourse with, each, with, with another man and remain with Uzziah, but without marital benefits until proved faithful and disciplined. And this is, what, this is exactly the rule that bans slaves. When we go to Deuteronomy 21, let's read Deuteronomy 21 from verse 10. It will explain it more better. It said, when you go to war against your enemies, and the Lord your God deliver them into your hands, and you take captives. Go on. We are reading till 14. If you notice among the captives a beautiful woman, and are attracted to her, 
you may take her as your wife. Now, this is people who are taken captive as slaves. Verse 12. Bring her into your home and have her shave her head, trim her nails, and put aside the clothes she was wearing when captured. After she has lived in your house and mourned her father and mother for a full month, then you may go to her and be her husband and she shall be your wife. If you are not pleased with her, let her go wherever she wishes. She must not sell, you must not sell her or treat her as a slave since you have dishonored her. So in short, in those days when they go to war as usual, when kings go to war, when they send the army officers to go to war, some of them, the hierarchies, they will see beautiful women, they will bring them home. The moment they brought them home, they are not automatically their wives because they are taking them captive. They are captives, they are slaves. So they will shave their hair, they will trim their nails, they will have to allow them to you know, mourn the departure of their, their separation between them and their parents or their, their relative for some time, for a full month. After they have gone through that period, they can now marry them, they can have children with them. This is the state that Goma was. Goma has to be brought back from her unfaithful men, back to her marital house, but she did not receive the benefits of that marital bliss. She only come in there. Uzziah at that, Uzziah at that time will not have an intimacy with her, with her until she's proven faithful, until she's proven disciplined that she's able to hold herself for some time. The Bible did not tell us how long that was. How is that related to us? Because all the scripture, we can know the story, but we want to go home with a substance that, how does this relate to me? How is this scripture? How can it benefit me? What do I learn from it? The Bible talks about us also in the book of Isaiah 50. If you go to Isaiah 50, chapter 1, it talks about that separation between God and his beloved. We are God's beloved. We are so precious in God's sight. We are so precious in God's sight that God says that he's jealous about us. So if God is jealous about us, he, we cannot afford to misuse our rights because we are married to him. We are the bride of Christ. In verse 1 of 50, he said, this is what the Lord says. Where is your mother's certificate of divorce with which I sent her away? Or to which of my creditors did I sell you? Because of your sin, you were sold. Because of your transgression, your mother was sent away. Can you imagine you being in your house? Let's go to, I think, 59. Talks, it, it, it explains it much better. Nazar 59, verse 1. Let's start from verse 1. It says, Surely the harm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor is ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sin has hidden his face from you so that he will not hear you. So there is always a separation. When we sell ourselves to iniquity and we sell ourselves to sin, God cannot behold sin. You remember what happened on the, on the cross? Just for that twinkle of an eye, when God turned his face away from the Son, the only beloved Son of him, 
God says, and Jesus said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because God cannot behold sin. And when we sin, there is a separation. There is that silence. And you know when God is silent, it's so dangerous. Psalm 28 verse 1, let's read that. When God is silent, can you imagine you calling upon God? He said, where are you? To you I call, O Lord, my rock. Do not turn a deaf ear to me. For if you remain silent, I will be like those who have gone down to the pit. It's as good as dead. When you are calling upon God and God is not paying attention to your cry, it looks as if he's ignoring you. That is dangerous. What made that have to happen is when there is a sin. When there is a sin. So there is that separation. That even though Goma was back to her marital home, but yet the marital blessing, the covenant is intact because you cannot break that covenant. But the marital blessing, the benefits, she's cut off from it because God wants to prove her faithfulness. He wants to prove her discipline that she will no longer be going out like a dog. So sin separates us from the Holy God. So there was that probation period when God wants to prove Goma. And in verse 4, it says, For the Israelites will live many days without king. So it's now liking it to the Israelites, to us, the Israelites of God. Today we are the Israelites of God. For the Israelites will live many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred stones, without effort or household gods. And afterward, the Israelites will return and seek the Lord. So, there will be a time of that silence. Can you imagine there's a time in your life? Every one of us, in one way or the other, we will go through that silent period. It may not be due to sin, but it will be due to that proving of our faith. If we are able to stand, even in the face of trials. There are times that you are tried, because every one of us will go through that trying period, that wilderness period, when everything is just silent. So you call upon God, you do everything in your capacity, you work right, you do right, but yet there is silence. I'm not talking about that, but I'm relating it to sin. If any one of us have departed from the path of righteousness and we are walking in the path that God hates, then God will be silent. He will be silent because he has told you several times. He has warned you, maybe through his prophets, maybe through his word, even through unbelievers. You know, God knows how to get our attention. He doesn't only get our attention through the saints, through the ministers, through our faithful brethren, our brothers and sisters in Christ, but even through our employer, even through our boss, even through our neighbors, he can get our attention. But if you decide to ignore him, he too will ignore us. And when God ignores his people, it's so dangerous. Very, very dangerous. So, Uzziah 3, 4. It says, separation from idols, yet without legal sacrifice to God. A period of silence. But there was a period of restoration that was promised. And thank God for that. In verse 5. It says, afterward, the Israelites will return and seek the Lord their God. And David their king. In this instant, David was referred to as Christ. David, meaning of David means the beloved. And the beloved means Messiah. So 
Jesus is the one that they are referring to here. So there will come a time that the Israelites will return back to their God, to the God Almighty, and they will return to the Christ, that branch called Christ. And that is to us. Isn't God a loving God? God is such a loving and compassionate God that even though when you sin, his hands are still wide open. That any time you can come to him. But your coming to him must be consistent. You know, there are some people who will come to him for some period. And after a while, because they have not, that waiting time. God is the one that knows that time. No man knows the time of your waiting. Someone can tell you that, okay, your trying period will be over in a year's time. But in God's calendar, that is not the case. It could be in five years. And God still wants you to be consistent within that five years. If you keep on going in and out of sin, today you sin, tomorrow you are repenting, you are prolonging your hour of restoration. So in the time of the Israelites, we don't know how long, but they must have waited for a very long time. And during that long time period, they stayed faithful to their God. And God says, he restored back the blessing. He restored them back into the fear of the Lord. The Bible recorded in that, fa- that final line, that last line, is, is really a blessing. It said, they will come trembling to the Lord. That means the fear of the Lord. And that reminded me of what God says, the old duty of man. What is the old duty of man? Can anyone tell me? Praise God. And where is that? Chapter 12, verse 13. Let's look at it. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the old duty of man. So the old duty, our duty, is just to fear God and keep his commands. Fear God and keep his commands. In the time of the Israelites, in the olden days, they have so much to read. They have the laws on their fingertips. We don't have it on our fingertips any longer. We have it in our hearts. The law has been written in our hearts. And if we keep on to the word of God and fear his name, that's all what he needs. Then there will be that fellowship. Because God seeks fellowship. He seeks relationship. But when that relationship is broken, then we sell ourselves to slavery. Slavery of sin. One of the scriptures I've also gave us before we, before, uh, on Sunday that we should meditate on and read is that Galatian, Galatian chapter 5. Is it 5.1? It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again. Stand firm then. Do not let yourself. So we can say that we cannot blame the devil. We can only blame ourselves. He said, stand firm then. Your duty is to stand firm. And do not let yourself, not the devil. We cannot blame Satan. We cannot blame our friends. We cannot blame our parents. If some of our parents decide not to follow God, guess what? You have your own mindset. You are not ruled by the mind of your parents. You are not ruled by the mind of your neighbors. You are not ruled by the mind of anybody but yourself. 
Because on the last day, we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We are not going as a family. I'm not even controlled by my husband. My husband cannot stop me from serving God. I cannot stop my husband from serving God. Neither would any children have any excuse. Because it is yourself that you should not be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So God is calling us to fellowship. The old old book of Uzziah. What is the message? The message is the bonding between God and his people. The bonding that their fellowship should not be broken, even though it is in and out, in and out. For the Bible says that he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. God wants us to be in fellowship with him so that that union, that fellowship will not be broken. So we are in good time. So for just two minutes, is there anyone who want to make a contribution to the to chapter three. Okay. And we give it to Dickiness. Any other person? Okay, just Dickiness. Praise the Lord. I just could go to the last one. So for the Israelites, we live many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred stones, without effort or house of gods. Afterward, the Israelites will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They will come trembling to the Lord and just blessing the land. This is very prophetic. Don't forget about when the Israelites went into captivity and the, the whole the temple that Solomon built was destroyed. And that temple is currently, be, be, is currently be occupied by the mosque 
in Jerusalem. And the Israelites, they are crying. They are doing everything they want to get that mosque back. And they will definitely get it because the temple will be rebuilt again. And the Israelites will come again and worship the Lord. If you notice, so many uh, Israelites, they don't know Jesus as their Savior. They, some of, some of, they are still believing on the Mosaic law. But a time will come that most of them, they will come to the saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. Thank you very much, Vickiness. So we're going to rise up now and pray. I want to read the book of First um, Corinthians 6. And we'll read from verse 16. Faith. Let's rise up, please. She said, do, not, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the temple of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with him in body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. For whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. And in verse, and verse nine, the last verse, he said, no, no, 19. Do you not know that your bodies are temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from the Lord? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. So that's what Dickiness was saying. We were bought with a price. Jesus shed his blood on the cross of Calvary as to the redemptive price for us. I want us to lift up our voice and just first of all thank God for the price that was paid for us. And after we have done that, listen to this prayer please. And after we have done that, we are going to pray, God, unify my heart with yours. That my heart will be one with you. That my spirit will be bonded with you. That my heart, oh God, Father, will be in fellowship with you till I see you face to face. None of us will break ranks with God in the name of Jesus. That God will continually establish our union with him. Let's lift up our voice and begin to pray. Father, we want to say thank you. Thank you for the price that was paid for us on the cross of Calvary. Thank you, Father God, for Jesus laying down his life for us on the cross. Thank you for the price, oh God, that we cannot pay. He paid with his blood. We thank you, Father, for that redemption, for paying the price of our redemption. We bless your name that we are saved by the blood of the Lamb. Father, we thank you for your grace and glory and might. Thank you that we are united with Christ. Thank you, Father, in heaven, Lord God, because you have broken down every wall of partition, O God, between us. And Father in heaven, you have established our feet on the rock. A rock that cannot be shaken. A rock that cannot be moved. My Father, we bless and exalt and magnify your name. And so Father, we pray, Lord God, that Lord, you will cause our spirit to be bonded, O God, together with you. That will not break ranks with you, Lord God. Father, in this dangerous world, my Father, that Lord God, that many are turning back, O God, from the faith. That many are breaking faith, O God, at this time. We pray that we will not break faith in the name of Jesus. We pray that God will cause our spirit to be bonded together with yours. Father, enable us, O God, to be bonded together with Christ. That Father, enable we will not backslide. We will not be ghost shipwrecked in the name of the Lord Jesus. Enable our feet to be planted upon the rock, my Father. Strengthen us, O God, at this time, my God and my King. Let our passion for Christ, O God, increase. Let our love for God, my Father, never be shaken in the name of the Lord Jesus. Keep us, O God, under the shadow of your wings. 
fill us, O God, with the power of your Spirit. And grace us, O God, Father, to continue in Christ. Let our hearts be fixed on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. In the name of the Lord Jesus, Father, we bless your name. In Jesus' name we are prayed. And finally, we are going to pray for those of our brethren, maybe for my loved ones, who have previously known the Lord. But in one way or the other, the enemy have sidetracked them and they have gone back to the world. We're going to pray that God, as you restore the Israelites to yourself, Father, bring restoration to these ones. Wherever they may be, in the north, south, west, and east, maybe you have children who you have brought up in the name of the Lord and in the fear of the Lord, and yet they have departed. Some are even questioning you that if God exists, because they've associated themselves with people who are philosophizing the word of God. And they have proven to them that God does not exist. So we are going to pray. There's nothing God cannot do as we can see. We are going to pray that God restore them back to the faith. Wherever they may be, God of heaven, restore them. Bring the truth to them, Lord God. Remove every falsehood from their heart. Let the truth be set them free. Let them know the truth and let the truth bring freedom to their soul. Lift up your voice and begin to pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. For all our sons and all our daughters. We pray, Father God, for those who have departed from the faith. Lord, we ask, O oh God, that you will restore them back. We ask that, God, you will turn away, O oh God, their hearts, my Father, from falsehood. You will turn away their hearts, O oh God, Father, from the power of darkness. That Satan will not have dominion over their hearts in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray that you will destroy every lies that they have received in their hearts. We break every shackles of lies from their hearts in the name of Jesus. That they will begin to know the truth and the truth begin to set them free, Father, right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus, remove the veil from their eyes, O God. Let them turn unto you, my God. Let the glorious light of the gospel be shine in their hearts, my Father. We pray for those who have fallen. The Bible says you lift up those who have bowed down and you raise up those who have fallen. Father, as many that have fallen, raise them up. As many that have bowed down, Lord God, lift them up in the name of the Lord Jesus. Restore them back to the faith. Restore them back to the faith. Restore them back to the faith in the name of the Lord Jesus. Restore them back to the faith. Let them know you and the power of your resurrection. Let the grace and the mercy of God rest upon them mightily in the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, we bless your name. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Father, we pray, O God, that for those of us who have known you, we ask, O God, that you enable our heart to continually be fasting on you. That we will continue to look unto you, Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We pray that, Lord, we will guide our hearts that will not break faith with you. We pray that, God, our passion for you, Lord, let it increase daily in the name of Jesus. And the last day when you will come to come for your elect, may we not be found wanting in the name of Jesus. Help us to build ourselves up in our most holy faith. Strengthen our walk, O God, with you, my Father, my God. Enable us, O God, to be doers of your word. Enable us to tremble at your word. You said the conclusion of the matter is to fear God and to obey your commands. Enable us, O God, to fear you to the end in the name of Jesus. Help us not to pay allegiance to Satan. Let sin not master us, O God. But Father, we pray that the Holy Spirit will continue to breathe on us. The Holy Spirit will continue to guide and lead us to all truth in the name of Jesus. Father, God, establish us in you, O God. 
Father, we thank you for what we have had tonight. Thank you for the freedom that you have given us. Thank you for the relationship that we have in you that will never be broken, O oh God. Father, we bless you. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen.